just so you know. My name is Jamie Kaplan, and I work as part of the STAR Hazus Outreach Team, and it's my job to support Hazus user groups, and I work pretty much as a liaison between FEMA, the regions and FEMA headquarters, and the Hazus users, specifically the user groups, and I've been doing this work um, since 1997. And I also put together outreach materials and uh, for Hazus, and I run the usehazus.com website. Um, so I've got some pretty good experience, and hopefully I'll be able to help you on the call today with getting a sense of what your user group is going to be about and how you're all going to participate in it. And just so you know, I'm I'm a good national resource for you, and I want you to feel free to call me or send me an email anytime you have any questions. Um, and you can easily reach me through that Use Houses um, website. Uh, otherwise, my email is jamie at jamiecaplan.com, and uh, you can find my phone number, and, and all of that is online as well. So I've got somebody from Washington on the phone. Who's that? Is it Vince or Eric? Oh, yeah, I'm here. Hi, Jamie. Hi, Vince. Do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Um, hold on a sec. Uh, I'm Vince Brown. I work at FEMA headquarters. Um, I'm in the um, um, risk analysis division doing um, uh, a lot with flood, flood mapping, our flood mapping program here at FEMA as part of the National Flood Insurance Program. Um, and uh, I also work with Hazus, um, work um, with Jamie, uh, supporting the um, Hazus user groups, and um, um, Savannah, um, um, I guess I'm responsible for her. She contacted me some months ago. Um, she saw my name associated with Hazus, and we started a conversation and developed a um, you know, a firm relationship, and um, uh, I suggested that she get involved with Hazardous User Groups and um, the go-getter that she is. Here we are now with this first um, Delaware Hug meeting, and I'm very proud of her for pulling this together, and I look forward to the uh, Delaware Hug being very uh, um, active and proactive and, um, uh, you know, congenial and, and a, a group and a really good hug. So there. Awesome. Thank you, Vince. Um, and just to remind all of you, a few people got on the phone a little bit later, I am uh, recording this call, and my intention is to turn it into a podcast. So as we move through the call, if you speak up on the call, please say your name at the time, and that will make it easier for us to sort of follow the flow of conversation. And just one more reminder that uh, you're welcome to put your call, your phone on mute so we don't hear any noise in your office. That's okay. But please don't put your phone on hold because we'll end up hearing music and that will make it too hard to participate in the call. All right. I'm going to um, run through some phone numbers and then you can let me know based on that we'll take roll. So I've got somebody from 302653. Who's that? That might be me. This is Matthew Lake with uh, Delaware Safety and Homeland Security. I don't know what number my phone calls out on. Actually, Matt, I think it's us at the uh, TMC. 653-2863. That's what, we, that's what I've got. 
Yeah, that's, that's us, uh, a group of five of us here at the TMC. Oh, great. So why don't you each introduce yourselves and um, just give us a little bit of information about who you are, what brought you here. I think I'm going to start, Jamie. Um, this is Giovanna Krupp. Um, I've been the one sending everybody emails and asking who would like to be part of the Hazard Group for Delaware. And, um, and uh, like Vincent explained earlier, I um, did contact him because I did some um, research, and part of my research was using hazards, and I decided I needed a little bit more information, a bit more involvement, and I am an enthusiastic about hazards. So uh, Vincent introduced me to Jamie, and there we went, a pretty long way now. Um, so I'm here at, at, uh, in Delaware, um, the city of Smyrna, and we have some people here with us in this side of the of the call. And um, I don't know if I need to introduce anything else. Uh, I'm a civil engineer uh, with the Delaware Department of Transportation. And I'm going to let our other um, members here talk a little bit, introduce themselves to the group. I'm Dave Carlson. I'm the State Hazard Mitigation Officer, and the reason I'm here is I'm actually being trained in a lot of this hazard software, a lot of the different courses over at EMI in Emmitsburg, Maryland. Uh, but I'm the State Hazard Mitigation Officer. I'm responsible for updating the State Hazard Mitigation Plan. Integral to the State Hazard Mitigation Plan is the HIRA, which is the Hazard Identification and Risk Assessment portion of the plan, which we currently use hazards uh, extensively for the risk assessment portion. So I'll be doing a lot of that. Uh, I guess all the hazards updates when it comes to the plan update, which is due in June of 2013. So I'm actually doing a lot of preliminary data now, or preliminary things now, or starting them now, such as updating the data tables that's in hazards for Delaware. But that's why I'm here. And I, and I am enthusiastic about it. I, I think it's the better we can the better we can update the data that's going into the hazards, the better we can we can rely on basically the results of the hazards output. Mike Powell from the Delaware Department of Natural Resources. Um, my involvement is with uh, floodplain mapping for the department um, for our use, and we also are, are a partner to FEMA on um, floodplain mapping projects. Where also responsible for uh, shoreline management activities in Delaware and the dam safety program, and those are the main programs in which we've done the kind of um, risk assessments that um, involve hazards. And um, so I'm interested in continuing to learn more about how um, hazards can help us in doing um, risk assessments and uh, damage assessments for the dam, the, uh, dam failure modeling that we're doing and that sort of stuff. Good afternoon. My name is Morgan Ellis. I'm with the Delaware Division of Energy and Climate. I am um, working on the climate planner working on a variety of issues related to climate change, including um, potential vulnerabilities um, from the impacts of climate change. So my participation in this is to understand hazards is I feel that there's a natural nexus between understanding hazards and the potential impacts of climate change. So I'm very interested in the process and being part of the group. 
Yeah, my name's, excuse me, my name's Dwayne Day. I am Dell Dot's Homeland Security and Emergency Management Planner. And I'm basically here as the uh, end user for the results of HAZAS and to see how they can be implemented into our uh, emergency management program. And that's it for us. Uh, Janie, I just want to mention that um, Paul Semple, that uh, is one of the people that was supposed to be with us here in the call, he came earlier, he joined me for a brief conversation, and then we had the chance to talk to David Carswell, and he just uh, asked people to excuse, he wasn't able to be in the call, but he will be looking forward to the podcast, and he will be joining us um, the next time. Okay, great. <clears throat> All right, the, um, the next phone number on my list is um, 302-831-1576. That, that's me. I'm Stephanie Baxter from the Delaware Geological Survey, and uh, up here at the survey, we deal with all sorts of natural natural hazards, um, in particular um, hurricanes, coastal flooding, uh, stream flooding, and earthquakes. So we are interested in uh, we've, we're familiar with hazards from many, many, many years ago, but we're uh, interested to see what's been updated and what the um, I'm I'm here. How much okay. are you here? <laughs> um, that you're interested in the update? Well, we just I just I'm just curious to find out um, how hazards has evolved maybe over the last 15 years. <laughs> okay, great. Thank you. Uh huh. I've got somebody at um, that's their phone number starts with eight five seven. All right, we have another uh, person or group from 831. That's that's probably me. Uh, my name is John Callahan, and I also work with Steph at the Geological Survey. And everything Steph says, uh, you can count me in, too. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that sounds good. That sounds good. All right, and somebody at 734? That's me. I'm uh, Mark Nardi. I'm with the USGS in, uh, in Dover, part of the Water Resources Discipline. I'm a geographer, and um, uh, you know, as the USGS, we run uh, in cooperation with the state and DGS uh, a number of stream gauges, and um, in other uh, water science centers across the country. I know that other um, other geographers and hydrographers are very interested in hazardous and are using it, and uh, we're interested in trying to help uh, uh, other people understand it as well as myself. Perfect. Okay, is there anybody on the line who didn't get to introduce themselves? Uh, we have Matt Lake that he just started saying something, but he didn't finish. I didn't think I needed to, <laughs> <laughs> considering we all really know each other on this call. <laughs> um, my name is Matthew Lake. I, I'm with uh, Safety and Homeland Security. I've worked with Savannah for a long time, and and my job uh, within the department is to coordinate GIS efforts. And I really look at this any way I can help the people at DEMA or anybody else do their job more efficiently. Um, there to help, so I'm here to learn and be a part of the group. Okay, terrific. Well, thank you. I appreciate all of you taking the time to introduce yourselves. Um, again, uh, my name is Jamie Kaplan, and I put together a brief presentation as um, kind of a guide for us for today. And has everybody been able to find that? Or does anybody need assistance with it? 
I think it would be good if you could sort of refresh the address because I sent uh, the draft presentation and then we modified a little bit. So I think it would be good for people to know where to go to get the presentation. Okay. It's on the Delaware Houses User Group website, which you can find at www.usehazus.com backslash dehug. And right on the right-hand side of the Delaware Hug homepage, in green, it says Delaware Houses User Group Presentation. And just click there, and we'll, we're going to use it as a guide. And just so you know, um, as I mentioned earlier, my job is to really support the Houses User Groups and the Houses Users, and uh, every user group takes a slightly different direction and um, I don't have any agenda for you. I'm here to support you and what your interests are, and I don't usually take quite such a lead role in um, in the first meeting, although I'm happy to. And uh, so again, keep that in mind. I'm I'm really here to kind of get you up to speed with what we have to offer you as users and the expertise that we have, and then let you kind of take it and run with it and and support your your efforts and what your needs are. Um, so, with that in mind, I'm on the welcome and introduction slide, which is the second slide in the presentation. We've done the roll call and introductions, and I'm hoping that I can answer some of your questions about what HAZIS is and what resources are available to you as users, and when I say HAZIS users, you may be hands-on users, but you may um, but you may not be, and, and you're still included in that group. and um, as we get into a little more detail about hazards, you'll see it's the kind of thing that the more you put in, the more you get out, and so people are going to need to contribute data, and people are going to need to make decisions based on hazardous runs, and all of those different types of uh, stakeholders or, or users in our mind. Um, so I'm going to explain that and what hazardous user groups are and how and why you would get involved in a user group. And then hopefully we'll have some conversation about what are some next steps for the Delaware Hub, um, and we'll talk specifically about training and um, doing some additional outreach and possibly forming a steering committee, having additional meetings, and then um, how you can work on some projects and success stories. So before we get into the thick of it, does anybody have a question or is there anything missing that you had in your mind? All right. So I'll give. I have a little something, Jamie. Okay, um, go ahead. When I was uh, trying to get straight to our Delaware Hazard uh, you know, User Group, uh, something from 2004 popped up first. Is there a way we can fix that? When you um, I'm sorry, I didn't hear exactly what happened. Did you Google it or? Yeah, I went into the Google Chrome and then I just put DE. A-D-U-G, and the, the first few things that came up were things from 2004. Right. Well, the Delaware Hug used to have a website on hazus.org, and I don't run hazus.org, um, so I can't exactly control that's that. That site's still up there. Yeah, the, site's still, the site is still there, and I think that that's totally fine. Um, as you continue to use the Use Hazus site a little bit more, it will move up in the search engine ranking. 
So what is the connection that we have with that thing from 2004? Um, that's your your option, what your connection is going forward. Rich Davies is the gentleman that runs the Hazus.org website, and it has been, I don't know what he's doing at the moment, but in the past he sort of created standing home pages for user groups, some that existed and some that didn't, sort of the state as like a placeholder for different groups. And so there are many groups that some exist, some don't, that have placeholder pages on his website. Okay. But again, I don't have, I, I don't, I don't control that in any way, but I promise you that as you use this other one, it, your rankings in Google will automatically go up. So the other thing that you can do is put links to the um, homepage that we're using, um, the new Delaware Hug homepage, uh, on your websites and in your email and all of that, and that will also in, increase the rankings in Google so that it gets up to the top of that homepage there. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. All right. Um, so we'll move forward a little bit to the um, third slide. And before I get into the details, I have to have a big disclaimer, and that is I am not a technical hands-on hazardous user. So all of you that are GIS professionals and, and running HAZUS and other programs similar to it, you're way ahead of me. Um, I have taken some HAZUS training courses, but I'm an outreach person. I know about who uses HAZUS and what they do with it, but I don't actually spend the day doing it. So I'll be able to give you sort of some uh, a brief introduction, but I don't. Th it won't be the focus of our call to get stuck. Um, in the weeds with really the nitty-gritty of how HAZUS works. I can tell you that HAZUS 2.1 was released last week, so if you don't have it yet, you can um, order that from FEMA's Map Service Center, and I'm going to give you the link for that um, coming up. And please interrupt me with any questions. It's, since I know a bunch of you are in a room together, but I can't see any of you, so if you're making funny faces or looking confused, I won't know. So um, so just interrupt me anytime. Jamie, I would just like to remind the group that this is our first meeting, so we have some things that we need to take care of, like structuring the group per se, so we can actually move forward. So um, there is a very important uh, role for everybody that is in this call today, even to consider who else would they like to invite to come and join us. Right, that's very true. All right, so um, without bogging you down too much, I can just let you know that HAZUS is a, a methodol a risk assessment methodology for analyzing potential losses from natural hazards, specifically floods, scenes, and earthquakes. And the um, loss estimates will include physical damage, economic loss, and social impacts. So you get a tremendous amount of output from, from a hazardous run and then can in turn use that to make uh, decisions based on, um, you know, which schools or critical facilities are, are impacted or how many um, how many people will be injured or displaced, and will businesses um, be 
disrupted and for how long will they come back. There's a lot of good information that will come out of running houses. Now the um, next slide gives a graphic of how that loss estimate comes to be. And again, I'm giving you a really quick, simplified explanation of this. Um, because it's, it has this runs on a GIS platform, you're going to um, input and receive layers of information. Starting at the bottom on this graphic, you will um, input information about the environment and what your hazard is, and then determine what is at risk. So you get a good demographic and um, infrastructure output of, you know, how many buildings, how many people, where are they, and then can analyze the impact from your hazard and uh, get a good description. Now, a lot of hazardous um, output is automatic reports come out of hazards that you can use, and you can also customize those reports. So, um, one thing Sylvana and I spoke about earlier was knowing Want, she wanted me to make sure that you understand that some of those reports you can directly use in uh, a mitigation plan or um, a project where you're trying to explain the benefit of mitigation or you're trying to um, justify funding or something. A lot of the, the results you're going to get from houses is going to help you do that. All right, the next slide, Hazus allows users to, as um, we mentioned earlier, identify vulnerable areas assess level of readiness and preparedness, estimate potential losses from specific hazard events, decide on how to allocate resources, and prioritize mitigation measures. Uh, I want to just really call to your attention the prioritize mitigation measures. I do a lot of mitigation planning. Um, my company does. And one thing that you can do with hazards is Say well, what if there's a um, there's a flood in my area? What will the impact be? And then you could revise your um, data that's in hazards to retrofitting buildings or moving buildings. What will be the impact? And by that, you can turn around and say, well, it's more cost effective to mitigate um, risk now than to wait and recover. You know do some kind of recovery after the disaster. For instance, if it's going to cost more money to replace and rebuild a building that's been impacted by an earthquake or a flood than it will be to just move it now or um, raise it above floodwaters now. So um, there's a lot of flexibility in HAZIS. But again, you need to remember that HAZIS is just a tool it's not, um, there's no promise that if HAZIS says 10 people are going to die in an earthquake, you won't have 11 dead people. Um, you guys are with me so far? Yeah. Okay. And I know I'm giving you a really basic, basic understanding. Um, but I want to make sure, one, I'm not qualified to give you a really in-depth understanding, and I think that um, I don't want that to be the focus of our call. I want to talk about how we're going to work together with this tool. So the next slide is the um, graphic with the triangles and says user level. This is key to understanding. When you receive hazards in the mail, um, it's going to come with 
information in that green box, default hazard inventory and damage information. These are national data sets of information, and they are um, they're not bad, and you can use them to um, do any kind of analysis, and you can use your output that what you get out of the box is worthwhile. However, the more you update that data with local um, information about your buildings and the hazards, the better your output is going to be. So as you're moving up towards what we would call level three, hazard says three levels of analysis, you're going to input more input yourself. You're going to have to work a little bit harder, but your output is going to be that much better. So the more you put in, the more you're going to get out, it's going to be worthwhile. I think that you're going to find um, that if you use the default data and run level one analysis and do some some general um, scenarios and show those scenarios to decision makers, they're probably going to be satisfied with your information. Whereas the GIS, some of you who are GIS professionals are going to look at some of this level one data and say, well, the the school or the hospital isn't on that block. It's down. It's across the street, or it's down the you know the next street over, or you know it's not there. It's not going to be as perfect as it could be. Um, but remember, if you're just trying to make some. Um, decisions, you really can make good decisions based on level one data, and you will make even better decisions as you input your local data, um, and it'll, they'll be that much more accurate. Jamie, can we ask questions along the way? Please, go for it. But tell me who you are. This is Stephanie from the Delaware Geological Survey. Um, you talk about the national databases. Um, when were was their data, when was the last time it was updated? Or when you say a national database, what what are they pulling from? And are they using like current the last census figures? Are they using current census figures? Where do they okay. get their things set from? Yep, those are those are good questions and I have a couple of answers. One, there's many different data sets in there. So I don't so there's not one answer. The most recent census data is not included in the has a two point one that was released um last Tuesday, I believe it was, um, because it wasn't it wasn't accessible yet. They can't input it yet. Um, and if you look on FEMA um, FEMA.gov on their library, you can look at the Hazards 2.1 manuals, as well as there's a document called Getting Started for Hazards 2.1, and that's going to give you a lot of detail about what these data sets are because there's many of them. Thank you. You're welcome. I know it's not the most perfect answer, it's not, but but there are a lot of these data sets. The other thing is, and I'm going to mention it again on the call, is tomorrow I'm having a national uh, topic, what I call topic-specific call, and I'll give you more detail about it. But it's specifically about Hazus 2.1, and we've got the earthquake, flood, and wind developers who are on the who are going to be giving presentations on that call tomorrow. And, I encourage all of you to participate with that. Jamie, can I say something about the data for Delaware and stuff like that? Absolutely. I actually, 
I've actually looked at a lot of the data that's in there. And, and for instance, you know, you get all these, it's all database tables, basically, and still with different instances. There's infrastructure information in there. We've got roads, bridges loaded, and stuff like that. And one of the things that happens in some cases, and, and I've been going to the training, and I'm looking at different states' data. I haven't looked that hard at Delaware's data. But when I look at bridges, for instance, I called up some of the bridges in uh, South Carolina, and I correlated that to Google Earth, and the bridge location's in the middle of a field someplace. So it doesn't even cross a river or anything, and it looks like it's in the middle of a farm field. So, and, and I've been told that that's actually one of the things that has to be addressed when you look at the Delaware data, and that, but in other instances, all the hospitals, Delaware hospitals are in this as, as far as emergency or essential facilities. And for instance, the data that's in hazards, the raw data says Christiana Hospital doesn't have any emergency power, and it does. And I think the number of beds, and I think the original data that was put together probably came out with the original version of Harris's, which is probably at least 10 years old. So a lot of work is right now needed on these, on the data, that the Delaware data that's reflected in Hazards. And I really think a lot of work to validate what's there and make the corrections. And that's something that I'll be starting on very shortly because I, I, I need to do level two runs for the next update of the state hazard mitigation plan. And updating that data is really going to be a, a major step. And that's something I'll be starting early this year in preparation for doing that final hazardous run later in the year and stuff like that. So that's, that's something that's very much on my mind and how to do that. And one of the things I plan to do for Delaware is as I get an updated uh, data table, I plan on putting the Delaware data on the DEMA website. So basically anybody in Delaware wants to do a hazardous run and wants the updated Delaware tables, they'll be able to download it from DEMA's website and get the latest, latest updated data or official data that's been updated and validated, uh, and, and that's where I plan on keeping it. I don't know if that helps, if that explains it, but the data is old, and it's a lot of it, even when it was originally done, there has never been a validation process of any of the data that's in has for any of the states, and that's one of the things that I'm actually going to be starting to do uh, very shortly. So, uh, Dave, does has this allow you to do current updates yeah. as a user? Yeah, that's yes, the it next does. slide. Um, it does. Jamie, uh, just at this moment, let me take the advantage to say that um, uh, it is one of, of the concerns of David that uh, perhaps we can do this as a group effort because we have different departments, different uh, people from other agencies, and um, if if there is a possibility that we can work a little bit together, then then perhaps we can speed up this process and have the data available to whomever from whatever department to use as a whole, instead of doing individual taking an individual effort. So I understand that this is one of the needs we have here, and it, it, this uh, we need to grow the understanding and then understand who would like to share the load and how do we do it. Oh. And there is one other thing that that you can do with hazards, and sometimes it's not not clearly defined. But with the user, if you have a specific, uh, say, type of facility that you wanted to evaluate, specific, and find out well what happens. Let's say I, and one of the things that I'll probably do for a user-defined facility that's not in the basic hazards data right now, 
uh, give you an example, maybe the dialysis centers in Delaware, which is always a big topic during snowstorms. I could actually load, a, make a file, use it to find the facility hazards, and then run, uh, basically has us run for all for all the different scenarios based on okay how much of the how much of that particular infrastructure does has us estimate we're going to have left if we have a certain let's say a hurricane hit a cat two hurricane and stuff like that how much of it's going to actually be operational afterwards and I think has us will do stuff like that and we haven't actually done that in Delaware but these user defined list is something that I'm looking actually for ideas I think of uh, what do you call it. Uh, potentially dialysis centers, potentially nursing homes, which aren't included in hazards. But when I'm talking to somebody else, DENREC might have another type of facility they'd like to evaluate that we can actually throw in there where we can do a hazard run specific to that, just that, just to evaluate that specific uh, facility or that type facility around the state. And, and that's some of the things I'll be looking for ideas on, and that's ways you do that level two run and you get a better use out of hazards and stuff like that. Well, um, this is Jamie. Let me say that, um, turn to the next slide. And, um, this is the reason that you should have, this is one of the biggest reasons you should have a user group is that, yes, you do want to move in the direction of having level two data. It will matter to you. Um, level one is definitely worth it. It's definitely a good way to have sort of an aerial view, if you will. But, um, but when you get to the point of really making some big decisions, you want to have the most accurate data. Um, and I think sharing the resource of collecting and storing the data is a, a great um, activity for the Hazardous User Group to undertake. And really, just even the conversation that you're having in the last 10 minutes makes it worthwhile to have a user group because you're letting each other know what resources you have and you're achieving economies of scale, if you will. You know, you're, you're assisting each other. Um, and CDMS is the tool that you use in Hazus. It comes right within Hazus to um, upload this level two data, your, your specific data. Other thoughts about the data collection and, and what's there? Uh, this is Matthew Lake. I don't think data collection here in Delaware is I mean, it's an issue, but I think locally we have great data for almost everything that could be used within Hazus. I would think. Great. I mean, if anybody wants to say anything about that, but I think if we get the right people together, the data is all there, and we just need to know where to pull from. Hey, Matt, just wait. Aren't you in the process of gathering that data and putting it on GIS shape files? Uh, I am actually using a geodatabase. I'm pulling a bunch of data. I've passed it off. I know Rich Sherwood isn't there today, uh, but I've passed a lot of that data over to DEMA. Uh, you know, just trying to find who the data owners are and 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 trying to find what information. And I know I'm not getting everything. And and the more data that I'm told about, the more I'm entering into it. Okay, good. Um, well, to the next slide, Hazus and Emergency Management and Mitigation Planning. Um, Hazus was originally uh, developed as a mitigation planning tool. And again, you can look at at-risk communities, um, what me mitigation measures you can uh, incorporate. And, um, and again, I added this bullet based on what Sylvana had mentioned earlier. 
talk about um, FEMA recommends using hazards for mitigation planning, and FEMA will accept um, output from hazards. It's something that they're comfortable receiving and, and really encourage you to use. All right, so that kind of wraps up our in-the-weeds part of what is hazards. Before I get to the resources and what we're gonna, what you can do as a user group, you guys have questions about hazards. This is Stephanie from the DGS again. I had an earthquake question. Um, oftentimes, a lot of the analysis tools will only let you put in like greater than magnitude five and above for earthquakes. Do you know if Hazus will allow the user to put in uh, events smaller than five, which is what this area is generally prone to? I thought you could do with Hazus 4.0, but I. But I can ask, um, and we can ask Murad on the phone tomorrow, unless someone on the call knows today. But he's the, the earthquake developer. Okay, great. Thank you. And if you want to shoot me an email, I'll respond to you specifically with the answer. Okay. Well, maybe if I check, I'll go through the uh, user manuals. It'll it'll have the uh, answer I'm looking for. Yep. Probably will. Okay, so let's talk about some technical resources because that's a good segue. Um, that's our next slide. And the first resource you need to be aware of is FEMA's Map Service Center. And the link is there, msc.fema.gov. And that's how you're going to receive your copy of HAZUS um, 2.1. And I did place an order on um, Tuesday last week when the uh, 2.1 became available and on Friday received it. So they're doing a, a good job of um, pushing those discs out pretty quickly right now. And that hasn't always been the case, so that's, that's really nice. The other thing is once you've got Hazus, it's, um, it's a challenge, and you should make use of the Hazus Help Desk. Um, you can visit the Help Desk at support.hazus.us and uh, you can um, send them an email. You need to sort of register for, for access to the help desk, and then it's worth registering for the help desk even if you don't have a specific um, question because all of the questions that have been asked and answered are there on the help desk, so you, it's a great repository of information. Um, so it's a good resource for you to take a look at. All right, going um, a little bit further, uh, has this podcast on iTunes. This is something that we started not too long ago, and hopefully this call will turn into a podcast and I'll be able to post it up there. So as many calls as possible, whether they're individual hug calls or I'm going to let you know in a minute about the national calls that we run, um, excuse me, and the um, national conference, we try and take these calls for individual presentations and put them onto iTunes so that you can listen to them in the in the future. Um, and you can find them on the Use Hazus webpage as well as on iTunes. Okay, the next slide, online resources. You've got beyond the uh, technical resources, you've got FEMA.gov has a great uh, website for Hazus. It's um, been updated with some of the 2.1 information. You'll find all of the 2.1 information is stored in the um, FEMA library at the moment, but it's not all All of the links on the hazardous pages on FEMA.gov aren't um, up to date yet. We're in the process of that. 
And you can also obviously access the usehazus.com website, and that's where the Delaware Hazus User Group has their home page. Now, I, I mentioned to you earlier, I run the Use Hazus website. Um, your home page is something that you can manage on your own, or I can continue doing it. So if one of you or a couple of you would like to have access to the back end of the Delaware Hug pages, um, that's easy. I can give you access, and it's very simple to use. Um, you don't need to know any HTML. It's all based on templates, um, and that would be great if you could work on maintaining it a little bit. That would be helpful to me, um, and I think helpful to you. So I encourage you to look at both sites. We also do um, post information on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Um, I do this through UseHazus um, and, and uh, encourage you to join that conversation. And I know that some of you probably have access at work to Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn, and some of you don't. Um, but, you know, for instance, I did put in a couple of announcements about this call right now. And um, and we'll continue to do that. So I think that you'll find that hopefully you'll find that that's useful to you. Um, the other thing is FEMA has a Gov delivery system, which is an email blast, and I encourage you to sign up for it if you have not yet done so. Uh, you can find the link on the Utah site or on the FEMA.gov website, and you can when you sign up for a gov delivery, you get to say, you know, I want to receive email from FEMA about, and you pick what you want, and HAZUS is one of the options. And assuming that you choose HAZUS, you'll receive probably two emails a month, maybe three at the most. Um, I'm part of the team of people that writes those. And uh, it's your best way to find out the latest, greatest information about HAZUS, because when something's going to happen, we always put a gov delivery out. And we do use GovDelivery for reminders of conference calls. I did put, um, I believe I put this call in the GovDelivery announcement that went out this morning. All right. Um, questions before I move to additional resources? Okay. The next slide, additional resources. This is a list of some of the outreach materials that we put together. The first thing is a newsletter called uh, Has This Hot Zone. There is a, um, this is an old picture, obviously launch of 2.0. Um, there's a new hazard hot zone that we're proofreading at the moment, so I suspect sometime next week you'll have access to that. Um, and if there's something that you would like to see published in the hot zone, then by all means let me know. We're always looking for input. And we just um, tend to do an overview of what's going on nationwide with the user groups and with the program, um, and if there's anybody who's done something particularly outstanding or a project that's worth mentioning, we, we tend to include that in there, as well as upcoming trainings or conferences. We also have a Hazus of the Year program, and um, it's really kind of Hazus of the Quarter because we um, award four users of the year uh, every year. And uh, if you're working with somebody who you think is worthy of that, by all means, let me know, and we'll put that together. Um, Bert Struick from Natural Resources Canada, the national winner and the fourth quarter winner for um, 2011. So we're still working on the first quarter of 2012. 
Um, we also put together Hazard Success Stories, and um, you'll see later on, Sylvana actually has a success story based on the research that she's done. And what the success stories are, are um, a brief write-up of a project that was done using Hazus. It doesn't have to be the best, most perfect project ever. The idea is that um, we're sharing with each other what's going on in the world of Hazus. Um, sometimes people tend to feel like they're their research or their work isn't worthy of this level of documentation, and I really try and discourage that um, because it is, and the sharing that we do with what you're doing is highly valuable. Um, and the success stories and the user of the year, these are good ways for you to do some outreach to get new users um, into your user group, and it's also something that you can use just internally within your own organization to um, show your coworkers what's going on with Hazus and this project that you've undertaken. Um, so I, I think as we move forward, remember that you're going to do some internal as well as external outreach, and um, you need to do both to have success. At least that's been my experience. Excuse me. The Hazus Technical Compendium, these are um, brief, one or two page write-ups that individual hug users have done based on how they've used Hazus um, specifically. So if you found a workaround or some kind of tip or trick that you would like to share, we can um, I can work with you to document that. The annual Hazus conference is something that you should definitely consider attending. Um, the last conference was held in uh, August in Seattle. And the next conference we're hoping to hold um, in the Northeast in August this coming year. I don't have the details about that yet, but as I do, I'll um, let you know. And that's a great way for you to meet with users nationwide, as well as um, hear some pretty interesting talks. And there's an opportunity for you to submit papers and uh, give a presentation as well. Now, the monthly national calls, I host these calls every month. Um, we have a Hazus User Group leadership call, which is tomorrow, actually, from 1 to 2 o'clock Eastern time. So, Savannah, um, you should probably participate in that if you can. And if there's um, somebody else on the phone now who would like to take a leadership role in this, and it would be great if we have more than one person, that's a good call to participate in. I just get the... Um, has this user group leaders together every month, and we talk about what's going on and what's happening with the user groups and how we can be helpful to each other, uh, and I think it's, it's worthwhile. There's never a huge agenda from me on that. We really try and get an update from everybody and then have some general conversations. Then an hour after that call, from 3 to 4 Eastern time, I host a national topic-specific call, and this is open to all Hazus users. And I encourage the user group leaders to publicize the topic-specific call and any other announcements um, to their users. So tomorrow's call from 3 to 4 Eastern time, again, on this slide is the dial-in and PIN number, which is the same that you use for this call. Uh, we're going to have a representative from the three developer teams talking about 2.1 and its capabilities and what's new with it. So. Questions about the resources that are available to you? 
or any questions about these national calls. If you would like to um, get an email invite from me for the national calls, just send me an email and I'll add you to my database. Uh, we also do do a gov delivery, and I'm sure um, Sylvana and whoever else is working on leading this group will send you an email reminding you and inviting you to the call. On the usehouses.com website, there's a list of um, the calls and the dates that they are, and we also put that on FEMA.gov. Amy, I just wanted to, to remind the group that one of the ways that we got to this point here today is because Vincent encouraged me to start participating on the user uh, uh, national call that you, that you coordinate. And so that that is leading us to this point here today. So people should really feel comfortable to go on that call. Good. Yeah. And you'll see, I mean, I run those calls, and um, we're, a, we're a casual group. I, I make everybody participate, which I don't know that they appreciate that all the time, but we do go around, and, and everybody does get an opportunity. And I want you to keep in mind that this user groups are grassroots efforts, and um, they can really go in whatever direction you need them to, and um, FEMA is committed to providing you with as many resources as they possibly can to support your efforts, um, but nobody's dictating exactly how it takes shape and what it should be, and I think you'll find a lot of benefit working with other users within your region as well as nationally, and the topic-specific calls and the leadership calls are just an opportunity to do that. Okay, the next slide has this education options. Uh, obviously, if you want to get involved in this, some training is going to be really helpful. And you've got three options for uh, attending training. You can go to FEMA's Emergency Management Institute, which is EMI in Emmitsburg, Maryland. It's a beautiful place to visit, um, although don't think you're headed to an upscale hotel. Um, they're dormitories. It will remind you of college, but um, but it's a nice place to go. You can also participate in virtual training classes, and it's possible that we can do some regional training. And as you look forward thinking about um, getting trained in HAZUS, you can um, choose one of two tracks, the HAZUS trained professional track or a HAZUS practitioner level track. Excuse me. And um, you'll find information on FEMA.gov about which of the courses you need to take to reach these um, certification levels. I wanted to give you the list. The next slide is a picture of EMI and um, lists some of the classes that are going to be, um, that are at EMI. We do, um, EMI has their own website as well as um, FEMA.gov's website and use has us. We're always making the um, classes that are available known. So if you do do a regional class and um, we're not aware of it, let me know so I can add it to the um, to the list so everybody is aware of it. If you haven't been to EMI, I encourage you to take that opportunity. Amy, um, while we were talking about the courses, um, when we had the workshop last year here in Delaware um, that Eric came and gave a presentation, um, I was wondering if it's possible, uh, Eric agree, we have that presentation available in, in our user group website, 
and perhaps uh, he would um, um, have um, a presentation like a call conference or something because I think um, we are dealing with uh, different, uh, different uh, levels of specialization here and I think the presentation that Eric gave would fit very well for managers and and like uh, some some um, people that would like to understand what is having so that uh, so that the group that is more hands-on would have the the chance to work a little bit on that uh, with the knowledge a little bit more knowledge from the managers um, that uh, most part of us have managers <laughs> that tell us what to do. <laughs> so. Um, can you help us reach out to Eric and, and so we can have permission to have his presentation in our website? Sure. Why don't you send me an email and I'll forward that to him and, and um, we can help with that and Vince can help us as well. Okay. Okay. And then perhaps we can, if we can find a, a group of interest um, among the, the users today, um, the, the attendees today, then perhaps we can organize a a topic-specific call, at least here from Delaware, with um, Eric and Vincent and you helping with that. Sure. Sure. We'd be happy to do that. Okay. Well, let me um, let you know about the next slide is the virtual houses courses. Um, I know this slide is tricky to read, but you can find um, these classes on Esri's website, and they... There's a couple of them that are free, and then several of them um, that cost $32. I think that you pay based on whether you've got um, a license with Esri. But the class that I encourage you to take right away is a one-hour, it's really a PowerPoint presentation. You can find it here. You can also find it on um, YouTube. It's called Hazards for Decision Makers, and this is the greatest first step you can take. If I gave you a little, I'm sorry. Did somebody try to say something? Okay, I gave you a little bit of information about houses, but the one-hour houses decision makers course. You just sit there and watch this PowerPoint presentation. Um, Kevin Mickey is the person who's speaking, and he's a very dynamic trainer, and he's very knowledgeable. Um, this is what uh, will help you understand what is HAZUS and why you, sh you know you should care about it if you are going to and and what's involved with it. It's really worthwhile. Um, in fact, the Northeastern HAZUS user group is hosting a um, New England HAZUS Day next week, and part of our one-day conference is going to include showing this one-hour presentation. It's that worthwhile. Um, so if you haven't taken a look at it, uh, I encourage you to do so. And if you're somebody like me who's not going to be hands-on with Hazus, watching this, which and it really is only about 45 minutes, will help you understand what the GIS folks are talking about and why they're encouraging you so strongly to participate. Um, so it's a really good first step. All right. Has anybody taken some of the classes? Or um, I know um, somebody mentioned they've been to EMI recently. Yeah, I was just saying, this is Dave Carlson from DEMA. I was just here for that. Well, the last course I was there for was the actually the pilot course for 
what do you call it, hazards for disaster operations. So I was oh, just there, and I've, I was told, I've got three more courses coming this summer, and I'll have everything except the hazards for floodplain management, which I hope to take a little bit later. Good. Well, you're going to be a great resource to the users in Delaware. It's terrific that you're doing that. Has anybody taken any of the um, virtual classes? I'm sorry? Has anybody taken any of the the online courses? All right. Well, I, I encourage each of you to take a look at that. All right. Moving on to our next slide, projects and success stories. Um, Sylvana, why don't you take a moment to just talk a little bit about the research that you've done with HASIS? Okay, um, um, for the ones that don't know, um, I graduated in May 2010. I finished my PhD from the University of Delaware doing, um, doing research on um, critical infrastructure resilience and the challenge due to disasters. And um, I built um, a, a decision support system framework where basically I start with the mapping tool, so basic GIS. Then I move towards doing some um, some some damage assessments, some risk assessments, and um, then for that I use Hazus. And then finally I use the mother software to build the software to do the asset management portion of things. That is basically doing the cost benefit analysis using outputs generated from hazards. Um, so it was like a step-by-step -step, um, analysis that was done. And a lot of the information that I needed at that time, if I was going to go for a, like the field data, that would make me have to stay and sit in the program probably another two years. So. <laughs> It was very good to be able to have access to the to the data in hazard to do that, and then also the simulations with um, uh, selecting some of the mitigation options that you have in the hazard, um, and and also that helped uh, understand how the tool would work. So. Um, Basically, the, the success story that is there is trying to describe a little bit about the process. How did I um, use hazards in the research and which were the, the specific data that I used at that time. And from that time to now, hazards already has more information in the, the transportation side because that is what my case study was on, uh, was in. And um, so, Many things like number of lanes, um, uh, the capacity, so all these type of things that um, in the original database that I had access through hazards, some of these were just empty spaces, but of course uh, it was showing that hazards had already the understanding that these were key elements for us to be able to do the analysis. Today a lot of these uh, were already uh, fulfilled, so we have a better data for transportation. So I think I think this is this is good enough because I don't know that everybody here is a transportation fan <laughs> that wants to buzz the idea of transportation. 
Yeah, but but uh, it was very good because I was able to look at uh, the flooding scenarios and how would we deal with things like that. Thank you, Savannah. Well, um, obviously, uh, those of us who have worked in hazards for a while, we're certainly really impressed with your research and um, proud to document it in uh, the success story, which you can find on um, FEMA.gov in the library as well as on the Youth Hazards website. I just have a little graphic here of the first page of that story. And I can't remember if there's a link on the Delaware HUG website, but we can certainly put one there. Um, so documenting uh, different projects or success stories is something that I certainly um, do on a regular basis, and I'm happy to do that for you and encourage you if you're working with hazards, um, you know, you're updating a mitigation plan or, you know, whatever you're doing, let's document it. And that's going to really help strengthen your user group because it's a way that you can do that internal and external outreach and get some support for the work you're doing. Uh, Jamie, I think one of the things that is probably a good time to talk about is that um, when we had Hurricane Irene, um, David Carson and I had the chance to sit down and run some simulations and have getting data uh, inputs from Hurivac. So I don't know if everybody knows what Hurivac is, but um, based on the information coming, from these advisories, we were able to try and follow the trends on what the impact would be. And also, when you're doing a benefit cost analysis today, because the tool also evolved, it also has links to the data existing in hazards. So I think it's a good thing people understand where hazards and the data in hazards is going, because it is improving as time is passing by and it can be used for different types of infrastructure. I think that's important to highlight. That's great. Anybody else have comments, thoughts about that? All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about um, the user groups. Specifically, um, the next page is a graphic of the where the user groups are nationwide. And um, again, this is really my expertise. I work with all of these groups and um, FEMA headquarters as well as the 10 FEMA regions. And you can see looking at this map that some groups are located um, just in one state or one area. And then we've got some really large regional groups, for instance, the Heartland Hug, that's four states, or the Rocky Mountain Hug, I think that comprises um, six or seven states. Uh, so the groups are not formed based on hazard always or based on uh, geographical area. It really depends on the, whoever's forming the group and, and what works for the group. So, for instance, California has four groups at the moment. Um, so there's no right or wrong way here. And, um, some of these groups are more active than other ones and, and having uh, more frequent meetings, some in person, some on the telephone. It, it really, they're all different. And I encourage you to visit their web pages, and you'll see some of them on that hazus.org website and um, many of them on the usehazus.com website, and, um, and participate in their um, meetings and conference calls. Many of them have uh, calls on a fairly regular basis 
One thing I think you'll find useful on the usehouses.com website is I've created a houses activities at a glance calendar and that's a good way to see what's going on. It includes training as well as the national calls and um, conferences and all hug meetings. So if you want to sort of quickly at a glance get a sense of what's going on with houses, I think you'll find this useful and um, it's the result of our national hug leadership calls. So hug leaders said, we need to have a calendar. We don't know when to schedule our calls. We don't want to overlap with other hugs. Um, so we put this calendar together. And one other thing to know about the user groups, or in addition, I think I mentioned it, that they're really public-private partnerships. And um, in general, especially when we started forming the groups back in 1997, we think about having seven different stakeholder groups. And uh, when you guys introduced yourself earlier, I can tell you that many of those groups are already represented. We're looking for federal, state, and local government participation. Uh, utilities, nonprofit organizations, universities, and private industry. And uh, I think that at the moment, the groups that have strong university participation um, tend to excel the fastest. And uh, if you, that's a really a good route to go to make sure that you've got not just state and local government, um, which is usually the folks that quickly do participate in the user group, but reach out to the universities and make sure that they're on board. And I think that uh, I mentioned earlier economies of scale. Universities have some great resources, whether it's data or um, they may have interns that can work in, in local governments. and. Um, they may be excelling hazardous education, and uh, um, they're a great, great resource to you. So that um, leads me to also just remind you, I mentioned earlier, that um, user groups don't only have hands-on users. We tend to think about um, those people that contribute data, those people that um, are actually hands-on GIS professionals running hazards, and then um, people who are going to read the hazards um, scenario, and then some decision makers. So you really want to have these four types of people and those seven stakeholder groups represented in your user group to have the most well-rounded group if possible. Um, and because the uh, universities have begun to get so active with hazards and involved, Turning to the next slide, you'll see we do have a Hazus Higher Education Resources Consortium, and this is just a university-focused user group, and you're welcome to participate in this group. I encourage you to, even if you do not um, represent a university, that's fine. Participate in this group, because the idea is to really um, share resources between universities and the user groups. So you want to be involved in, we call it the HERC for short. You know, anytime you're involved with FEMA or the federal government, you're going to have a lot of acronyms. So I encourage you to be involved with the HERC. And um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, universities, the focus there is um, research, service learning, and education. All right, our next Part of this call is to really speak specifically about your group, and the Delaware has this user group. So before I get there, um, do you have any questions? And have I gone over things too quickly, or?
Okay. Assuming your silence means let's keep going. Here we go. Um, so the Delaware has this user group. Um, we did thank you to Silvana. Um, get this off the ground a little bit, and now you need to think about how you're going to continue to use um, use the group, what it's going to look like, how it's going to um, continue, and um, what your individual role in the group may be. Uh, I mentioned the web page. I'm happy to maintain the web page for you, um, but I'm also happy to have you maintain it, and it's easy for me to give you access to do that. So just let me know. Many groups have one or two people who are leading the group and somebody else who perhaps is um, updating their web page. So whatever works for you is okay. Um, but remember, you don't have to have any HTML experience. It's very user-friendly, the back end. The other thing are the um, regular conference calls. The majority of the user groups nationwide are holding conference calls with their groups, usually every other month. Some groups are also meeting in person uh, a couple times a year. So you need to decide what's going to work for you. My vote for you is that you don't space out your calls so far that people really forget participating in the Delaware Hug. You want to you keep hazardous fresh in folks' minds, and you want to do it on a regular basis. Um, I encourage you to all participate in the national conference calls. So again, you're going to have a couple people, hopefully Sylvana and one or two others, participating in the Hug leadership calls. And then um, I encourage all of you to participate in the topic-specific calls and um, and again, in other user group calls. Many of the user groups are having calls with topic speakers on them, and that seems to be a great route to go for encouraging participation because you may get on the call and think, well, what do we talk about? But if somebody's been working with Hazus or uh, attended a couple of trainings, then that person can be your topic speaker, and they can get on it for 10 or 15 minutes just to give a casual presentation about what they're doing, and um, that's a great way to just let folks know so that you can begin to share resources with each other. Um, the other thing is training. I've, I've given you some good ways that you can participate on your own in training, uh, whether it's online or at EMI. You can also work in the direction of having regional training and you can do that by working through um, Vince and myself. All right. And then project work and education. Um, one thing that it sounds like is going to come out of the Delaware Hug is you're going to compile data sets into one space and have, um, have everybody in Delaware who's running Hazus have access to that. But there may be other things that you want to do. Um, before we move forward, let's talk about each of these things, um, and let's start with the um, regular conference calls. Is that something that you think is possible, and how often you would like to have these calls? Jamie, I don't know that we have the majority of the group with us right now. Um, I okay. think if, if people have an idea of which day of the week for example, that would be more convenient. And, um, and then we think about a monthly call to either have a Delaware user group specific call or 
If we're going to try and make our agenda coincide with the national call, I think this is one of the things that uh, we could try and start working on it. But I think um, I need to provide a follow-up uh, with, the, with the rest of the people that want to join us and couldn't be here in this call. So I'm thinking uh, I would like to hear a little bit from everybody that is on the call if they already have an idea of weekly day of the week that would be more convenient. And of course, keeping in mind that should be once a month. And then I will uh, send out uh, kind of like a little survey um, to find out uh, what is the opinion of the other people that couldn't join us today. So I'm going to start here from, with, with people here from my table to see if we can have another study of which day of the week once a month. We could probably have this happen, David. Let me ask a question because what I'm thinking about since, you know, I, I heard and there's a difference between Hazus and GIS. Hazus is a loss estimation software. It's almost like a modeling software and it takes the thing. It's not just a mapping capability and stuff like that. And I want people to understand that. And what I'm thinking about doing is potentially is maybe having like a little demonstration. Maybe I could even do it over DEMA is where we have one thing where I can actually show people what the software does, maybe even show them some of the reports that are output from Hazard in the different scenarios. But I'm wondering if that wouldn't be a good idea to give people a better idea of what Hazard will actually do for them. Does that make sense to anybody? That's fine. We already have one volunteer. <laughs> Hello? Is anybody still there? Yeah, that sounds like a good idea to me. Okay. Are you guys? Are we the only ones still here? I don't know. No, I'm here. I hear you. Yeah, I just joined. Because yeah. if I do something like this, I'll have to coordinate it. I'll have to coordinate it with my agency and make sure it's okay for me to do it. Uh, and I'd have to pick a date. So I, I can't really give a date time now. I'd have to find out probably when our. Uh, ESC facility is available because I would probably want to put something up in the screens in the ESC to, to show it. And, and that's where I actually have the software loaded up now anyway. So. Okay, so um, I, I, from, from um, the other members here in this table, they think it would be a better idea. We send out a document with a little survey of when they think that would likely fit their agenda. And we already have an idea of having the next meeting as the demonstration from um, with David Carson in the building here in Smyrna of uh, some of the hazards. Okay, and I'm probably tired of admit the latter part of April is what I'm actually looking at doing. That's that's either because I, I need time to set it up and there's a lot of things I need to do and I got to make sure my software is working correctly. Okay, so that's for April. Did we have somebody from New York join the call? Uh, yeah, I, uh, this is the first one I've joined. My name is Dan McHugh from New York Transit. It sounds like Dave is on here. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, what is your name again? 
Now, my name is Dan McHugh from New York City Transit. Can you hear me? Yeah. 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 The Delaware House. Yeah. This is the first one I've we're in the class. We're in the class together. Yeah, this is yes, yes, yes. Yes, right. So, this is the first one I've, I've participated just to see what's going on. I, last month I couldn't get into the the one that was more, you know, uh, targeted to something I was following. But I just want to see what what happens. Well, you're perfectly welcome to listen in. Great. Thank you for calling in. Um, so, Vanna, I think you may find that monthly calls are pretty ambitious, but it's up to you. Um, like I said, I want to try and um, have our group here meet probably month yes, month no, but the month that we are not going to meet, then try to make the agenda coincide with the national call so then, then people can understand what is going on around and then perhaps we can share the experience when we finally meet the other month, and then we can probably get these days flexible enough so we have more people uh, involved in the process instead of just having some people, because if we try to, to put down one day, that may not be uh, feasible for some people, so I'm just trying to think out of the box a little bit. That sounds good. What do other folks think about um, your call, your meeting on a regular basis? Are you ready to do that? Yeah. I would say okay. go every other month, and if there's a need, then you can go every month. I. Hello, this is Dave Carlson again. I'm going to give you some valid needs that I know, and I, and I know the data has probably been collected, but is the data in such a format that Hazus will recognize? And, and that's one thing. It's not just a matter of putting a map in with the location, the updated location of all these facilities. You have to put it in. That's why you have that CDMS, that Comprehensive Data Management, and you have to put it in the right format because it's not just mapping the specific things which is going to be a great help to me because I already have things mapped, but it's actually putting the information into hazards so it can actually analyze what is the impact of the, distance of the different type of disasters on that specific facility. If you don't put it in the right format, hazards will not analyze it, and it's not just a matter of downloading a map. Is, Mac, is Matthew Lake still on? I am. Hey, Matt, I'd really like to talk to you and maybe even – you know, if, if possible, bring you down and, 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 and go through this little hazard and show you a little bit about what I'm talking about, because I think you have, you have a basis for a lot of the information that I'll probably be updating, but, I, but I, I really need to know, and maybe if I can show you the format that we're looking at, you'll better understand what I'm talking about. You, you name the place and time, and I'll be there. All right, I'll call you separately on that. Yeah, that works. I mean, like, like I said, I... My task with this is anything I do to help facilitate data movement and coordination of the data within the state. Um, you know, and I, I'm running ESRI geodatabases, so I can really push the data to any format or any table structure you want. 
Okay, and that's that's maybe what we can talk about because because you can download it in CDMS and stuff like that if we get all the all the required data. But there is a specific format for the hazards that it it has to go in and and the field. It's real critical that we do it correctly and stuff like that. But it sounds like you got a great start. And the only other aspect I want to say this is not just uh, something you can do with mapping because you know when I say how often. I would like, you know, at least bi-monthly, I guess, for now, but after I do this introduction, maybe I'd like to include is the reason why I want to get everyone involved, and, and I can actually show them, and I want to break down maybe some of the data that's, the default data that's in Hazus and why it needs to be updated, because if we can better look at the data and why it's crossed, it needs to be updated, I think there's a lot of different hands that might go into that update, Department of Public Health, a lot of it deals with hospital information, that type of thing. Uh, the Department of Transportation, bridge locations, status of bridges, how they're built, you know, construction-wise, that's all in hazard. Is it accurate? I really don't know. And it, not only is it accurate, but are they complete? Are all the bridges referenced here? And I, and I don't honestly think they are, but it's all stuff that has to be looked at and can be evaluated and can be updated. And I think Matt could be a big help in that, but I think there's other agencies that can be a big help. I know all that's like what you're just talking about bridge. That would all come from Dell Dot's bridge section, and they have a, a really complex uh, database that we can easily pull information from. You know, whatever information you want about the bridges, you okay. know, pull that out. And it's just a matter of knowing who to talk to. Well, yeah, and I and I do. And what what I want to do is I'm going to go. What I'm going to do, and and I'll talk to you about it separately. But I'm actually going to extract the information from hazards for the bridge information that it currently has in there, and I'm going to gin up a report for Duane over here and say, hey, this is what Hazard says is the status of, is the current bridge location in Delaware, and I just want to show him what it is, but I do know some of the bridge locations are not correct. In other words, they show up in fields, and the bridges aren't over a field, they're over a stream, of, and that's why you have a bridge and stuff like that. So. I, I do expect some problems, and if we can correct that and put it in the correct location, Hazus will gin up a much better loss estimation based on the actual data rather than the incorrect data, I guess. I'll make a suggestion on that, Dave. Um, this is the way I'm talking now. <laughs> prioritize the information you want on the bridges, because we have some like 4,500 bridges in the state. And so I'll give you what Hazus. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Hazus only has like 127 in Delaware. And that might be assuming on their side. And they might they might they might not classify all the bridges as bridges and and that's something you have we have to evaluate is what should we put in Hazus and maybe you can better help me on exactly what should be in there because we can put as many as we want. Okay. And and that's easily extractable. I mean Dell Dot has those classified what types they are and you know, once you run once you run the data conversion you can for as many as you want. So you're right, it's best to define what you want in there first. See, um, so we have uh, we have some some people with uh, needs that are already like speeding up the process in one side. So I think uh, for the meetings uh, for the Delaware, yeah, we go every other month. Um, I'll make available the calendar for the national call so people can get in as they feel comfortable and they have the opportunity. And um, then for April, uh, David Carson will try to have uh, the, the 
the, the room set up for the first demonstration of Jesus open to a bigger group. Um, he, he did share with me he would like to have uh, people representing the different counties that we have here in the state. So we have a better understanding of um, who are the champions that would be uh, hands-on technical work and then who would be the, the, um, the users of the information and the analysis and so, so like a bigger stakeholder group to help us see where we are moving. So I'll send out a survey to try to see what would be um, the best time for us to meet. And I guess uh, April is more or less the next meeting we're going to have. And um, I think now we need to go to the next point. Okay. Um, well, let's go to the next slide and talk a little bit about outreach. Um, this list comes from a um, document uh, called How to Create a Hazardous User Group, FEMA 404, and that's something that I wrote a long time ago. And um, we've gone over quite a bit of this um, information today, but gradually what you want to do is figure out who your stakeholders are, and I told you about those seven different stakeholder groups as well as um, those four categories of users, if you will. And <laughs> Do some internal and external outreach to, to your stakeholders. Um, and I can't emphasize that enough. You're going to have to make sure that you have consent and support from your organizations um, to participate. And, and I think having that backing will make it that much easier to bring in some new outside um, users to your group. And then you can consider forming a steering committee, which is um, what the next slide is about. And I know this is something that Sylvana wants to focus on. So why don't we turn to that, and Sylvana, I'll let you take the lead with this. Okay. Um, uh, I did have some discussions on the side already with some people that I knew who could have interest on this. And... Um, so David Carson, as everybody can hear, it's, it's like he, he, uh, he tells me he is the one that will benefit the most with whatever work we can do. <laughs> so David Carson is definitely one of the people that we need to have in the steering committee um, as a state emergency representative. Um, I do believe um, Matt Lake. Do you think you could be the state GIS contact for that, or should I open the question to, to who else would feel like could be a state GIS contact for that? I, I would be willing to help with that, but I wouldn't call me the state GIS contact. I think you might want to include the state planning office, and Miriam Permilio is the new contact in that office. And uh, I, I mean, I'm I'm willing to assist 100%, but I would not call me the state GIS contact. Okay, so can you send me the contact for that person? I will. Today is her first day on the job, so uh, she's coming from the University of Delaware. So. <laughs> Many of you may know that already or have not known that, but may now know that. But Actually, she's coming from the GIS. The person at yeah. the planning office? What was that? Is she a GIS? He's taking Mike Mahaffey's old 
Number Mike. Okay. So, um, so where do you want to to see the map? Do you because we did have this conversation. I I, I will assist with as much GIS, you know. Coordination, uh, but I ju I just wouldn't call myself the GI state GIS contact. Okay. So would you like to take place together with David Carson what your what your agency is security? Yeah, that's that's fine. I mean, it it doesn't matter where I fall. You know, I just want to be involved to help. Okay. You you can put me wherever you want. Thank you. <laughs> I'll be careful with that. <laughs> Um, I did, um, um, according to Jamie's suggestion, I did include John Janowski. Janowski, yeah, I think I said Janowicz. Janowicz. I apologize. Uh, I did include him as the regional representative for that. Um, um, do we have somebody from a university in this call that would like to take that role? Maybe not now. Okay. Then we have local governments. Yes, professional or emergency managers and stuff like that. And I did have some conversation with Michael Powell, and I'm not sure how. Um, do you want to help us? Sure. But I'm with the state. The state. Yeah. Okay. Local, local government. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. Number I was thinking by local, you meant county. No, no, no. No. Okay. okay. I, I, I think. Wouldn't be a bad idea to have someone at the county level. Sure, and I'll make sure to to maintain the space for county level people also. So if if anybody has an idea, who else should we call? Um, we have private industry representatives, and so we were just trying to make sure that we have the different um, different uh, people from different organizations in this uh, steering committee. Would you like to join as well, or just as an attendee? I don't know. Um, well, I'm with the state, so probably not as a private industry. Yeah, yeah, industry, sure. but um, I don't know. I have to think about it. I'm trying to figure okay, out what the okay. role. Okay, no problem. Uh, do we have any volunteers from any other agency? Uh, Savannah, this is Mark Nardi. Um, I I think our agency. Um, I'd be interested. Okay. And I'll put you as, as another federal uh, representative, right? Because USDS is federal, right? Yes, it is. Yes. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I think we have some main um, um, poll samples that is not here. Uh, did say he would like to. To, to be included as a representative for um, private industry, so I'm putting his name down there. Paul Temple. Um, I think he he um, he used to work, and I think today he is a liaison with the General Assembly. And I know we have uh, people from the Department of Economic Development that uh, wants to be part in our group, but I guess didn't have the chance to make to this meeting. Um, John and and um, Stephanie, would you like to take any role? 
Uh, probably not in the steering committee, but we will be more than happy to provide whatever information we can. Okay. Um, let me see if I'm missing. Or am I missing? I, I think I, I think you might be interested in some of the outputs it has, especially from the flood module and stuff like that. So I, I, I would hope that you would participate in this at least uh, thing, because I'll probably do some. Uh, it, it try to show you what it can do with the flood modules. Oh, absolutely. Some of the streams and stuff like that. And that's one part of what I want to show, which is sort of show and tell what it can do. I don't want to really want to spend a lot of time into the technicalities of Hazus, but more show what Hazus can do. And that's what this thing is I'm going to try to put together in late April. And, and I think I heard somebody mention Debbie Sullivan and Mike over at Denrec as well. Um, I would... I mean, the, I don't know how many people GIS people you want to put on here. You can put as many as you want, but those are they're the people I'd be reaching out to. You know, if we're looking for data, you know, from Denrec or other agencies, they're the ones I'm, I'd be turning to 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 uh, get to, to find the data that they have. And I don't know if you want to. They're both familiar with hazards, so that might help also. Right. I think they already I, I'm just saying, you know, I'm, that they're they're the ones I'd be contacting, and more the more the merrier. And you know, depends on how many going on. David, this is Stephanie. I mean, we are definitely interested in the output. I'm just saying, as I cannot uh, commit John's time, and I just don't know the time factor involvement for being a steering committee member at this point in time with yeah. both of our. But we will definitely be involved with the project. Yeah. At this point, we're just trying to start. So if, if, if people um, understand that there's a lot of work, a lot of time, then I guess we we can also think about the rotation. So we can include the, the, the most number of people possible. And the steering committee really is to help us organize and set the pace of what is the activities that we're going to be developing and the discussions, um, if we're going to bring any training to the state. So it's, it's, it's like the organization side of it. So for now, we're really trying to start and for us to be able to be successful. Uh, I cannot do this by myself. And I have a colleague over here that is doing, and I need to share some of my work with him. So I am counting on him to to or be in the steering committee or at least be by my side so we can advance on this. And I'm putting him on the hot spot. <laughs> well, I'm sure I'll be by your side. <laughs> okay. Okay. Anna, this is Jamie. I just encourage you to not make it bigger than it needs to be. I think it's great to share the effort of um, leading the group, and you definitely need to do that, but don't feel that um, there has to be too formal um, tasks out there or that people have to take on more than they can handle. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah we have some names. Um, I'm going to send this to the group, and then um, um, we are definitely open to include a few more. And... Um, so I think we have a start. Definitely. Okay. All right. Well, um, the last slide that I have is really just our contact information. 
And um, again, I encourage you to contact me anytime if there's anything that I can do to support your efforts. I'm happy to do that. Um, I will check in with Sylvana one more time, but um, my plan is to turn this call into a podcast so that you have it. Um, but if you don't want that to happen, then please let Sylvana know and she'll pass that on to me. Um, but I will, that's my intention. And um, does anybody have sort of final thoughts or questions? And let's talk about just a couple of next steps so we make sure we, we leave knowing what's going to happen next. Well, let me say, let me pick a date for this show and tell thing in in uh, probably the middle of late April, and I can get back and we can advertise it and hopefully get some people to sign up for it. I think that's a perfect idea. Um, and also, you can always do things using like Adobe Acrobat or something if if you can't figure a way to get everybody in the same place. Savannah, do you have some final last words, and, and how would you like to wrap up some next steps? Well, um, I like I, I mentioned, I'm going to send out a little survey about um, the preferred days for us to meet. I'm going to make a try to make people uh, check the calendar that you have available. So we try to make our meetings uh, a little bit flexible, changing days, so perhaps to make that that flexibility come. And um, I'm going to put a little summary of, um, um, of documentation. And, and um, I need to ask people if they didn't register yet with the website, with the hazard, um, that they do, because that helps us track how many people are in our user group. And um, I think what we can keep in mind is that David Carson is going to try to uh, find uh, some options of days for us to have a uh, have demonstration here in this facility, and we're going to try to plan that uh, with um, two to three weeks um, um, prior to his demonstration so we can try and fit the most part of people that would be interested in this, and this being our Next time when when the Delaware user has a user group will be. That sounds good. Yeah, and I want I want to also include in the survey some topics that the different the different people here mentioned they would like to see or they have questions. So we can make this uh, a group of interest on the subject that people would like to see addressed. So that sounds great. And I just want to wrap up um, personally by saying thank you all. It's a pleasure meeting you on the phone this way. I hope that you do participate in the national calls tomorrow. Um, and I wish you the very best with this. I think that it will go well. I will participate in as many of your calls and meetings as I can. And um, you're lucky to have Sylvana's energy and expertise leading you. Um, and I encourage you to join her in that effort because that's what will make this work the best. 
Can I ask a question? There's a national call tomorrow. What's that? Yeah, there are um, two national hazardous user group calls tomorrow. The first one is from 1 to 2 Eastern Time, and that's for the hazardous user group leaders. And then there's a call, a topic-specific call from 3 to 4 Eastern Time. The dial-in and PIN number are the same as you use to participate in this call. Oh, same procedure. Yep, same procedure. And tomorrow's topic is Hazus 2.1, and the um, we'll have a developer from each of the three Hazus developer teams, earthquake, flood, and wind, um, giving a brief presentation on tomorrow's call, and you'll have the opportunity to ask them questions about Hazus and Hazus 2.1. Um, so that's that's a pretty good opportunity. Uh, so I encourage you to take it and participate with us. That's from three to four. Okay. That's from three to four. Exactly. And you can find that information on um, the youthhazards.com website under the national call. Yeah, I don't know, but I know you said you're having issues with your email, so I'm not sure. I didn't see yeah. the reply, but sometimes people don't reply all the time. All okay, right. Is there so any other last-minute things that they'd like to go over? Jamie, I would like to suggest that people get a little bit familiar with the, with our website because we have a space for a forum of discussion. So that would be a good way also for us to know what are the subjects that people would like to talk about. That's a wonderful idea. And I just have to reiterate thank you to everybody and 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 thank you for the support, for your interest, and hopefully this is a part of a good, good story. All right, folks. Well, thanks again, and um, take care. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Thank you. You're thank welcome. You. Bye, everybody.